Hi, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women and author of the Amazon bestseller, You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich. And this is The Wallet. The Wallet is here to help you make better financial decisions by talking honestly about money. I'll be sharing my best tips, inspiring you to take charge of your financial futures and talking to an array of awesome guests from all walks of life, employees, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and money experts. Okay, so it's time to open the wallet again. Do you know that the average credit card debt per household in the UK is £2,591? According to Money Charity, it would take 26 years and 7 months for someone to pay this off, if they're only making the minimum payment per month. Over the past two years, the average household debt rose by 9% to just under 10K. That includes credit card debt, overdrafts, and personal loans. Debt causes stress and anxiety. If left undealt with, especially when the debt keeps spiraling, it can seriously affect your mental health. Today, we have a very special guest. We'll frankly discuss how she set to repair credit card and overdraft debt, how she got there in the first place, what made her want to stop, and how she got started with tackling this issue. Claire Seal had over 25K in credit card debt, spread over seven different cards, and a 2K of a draft. She's empowering her followers with the super popular and inspiring account, My Frugalier, where she talks frankly about this journey. She's also just published her first book, Real Life Money, an honest guide to taking control of your finances. Claire talks about the emotions behind having debt and how building a community seriously helped her in her journey. We recorded this episode pre-COVID and me giving birth. You can now buy Claire's book that has been doing so well since publication. Thank you. Hi, Claire. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Emily. Yeah, you, you've, had a, you've had a really busy year with your book and, and Instagram. So yeah, it's been maybe, bananas. It's been crazy. I've yeah. been following you. So maybe for those who, who don't know you, what is my frugal year and what do you do? So, I mean, really, it started as just a way for me to, it was a bit of an outlet for how I was feeling at the time about my financial situation and a way of kind of keeping myself to account while I was paying off the debt. So I I had, over the last five years or so, accumulated over £25,000 worth of debt and it happened really slowly and I wasn't sure how I was going to go about tackling it so I thought if I create something that's open to the public and people can follow you know maybe I'll get a handful of followers who might you know shout at me if I spend too much (laughs) or whatever it it wasn't really intentional to start the conversation that's happened since but yeah I started it for that purpose and then it sort of just grew really organically and after that sort of had quite a lot of people message to say that they were in the same position and feeling exactly the same and since then I've had writing opportunities and a book the book came off the back of that so it's been really I mean it's been less than a year and it's been totally crazy but it's really now my frugal years are a kind of conversation about financial well-being, releasing the stigma around debt and talking honestly about our financial situations. And it's great for me. And I think a lot of people find it helpful, hopefully. So no, I'm sure. I mean, I I love it. I think it's yeah, it it helps like start like so many conversations around 
around money, but especially around debt. And I think that's really what I want to cover today is, is how can we talk about debt without, you know, feeling all this like shame. I mean, money is quite a difficult topic, yeah. but maybe debt is, is even harder. It's like a degree harder, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, I think you're so right. I think there are a lot of conversations opening up around money which is brilliant like thanks to people like yourself Laura Waitley Alex Holder all of these books that have come out that are inspiring especially young people to start really talking about finance in a way that isn't you know boring or tedious um, which is brilliant so that's going on and then there's a big conversation happening around mental health um, in particular anxiety a lot of people are speaking out about but I think this sits somewhere in the middle and debt especially for me has been a massive source of anxiety it's a bit like the monster under the bed and I think the more you keep it secret the more you feed it it's that typical thing of it grows into something that's so massive and you feel so ashamed of that you can't talk about it the less you talk about it the more able to deal with it you are so that's why I feel so passionately about opening up the conversation and if it's me who has to go out there and say look I'm you know just a normal person and I've made these mistakes and this is what's happened then so be it you know and if that enables more people to say actually I've done the same actually there are so many different causes of shame around debt as well that I think it's just really important to get people talking to each other and try and get rid of some of that because it's it's a massive problem in the UK. I mean what was it like shame shame of of what for you what was the hardest thing and and how do you feel today to really open up about it because I guess it's a massive step from being on Instagram behind the, yeah. this pseudo like my frugal year and now you're Claire and yeah. you're here in the studio and, and you talk openly about it. I think it's so complex but for me I think I've always felt like I was quite bright and then this felt like a very silly thing to have allowed to happen and I think a lot of people feel like that they're hard workers sort of switched on and still have found themselves in this position that's definitely how I felt I think you know relatives didn't really know the extent of it have had to help us out in the past so that was definitely an element of you know feeling like if you're a grown-up with children that you shouldn't really be relying on your family for financial help I'm 30 now I was 29 when I started the account and I definitely felt like as a grown-up maybe you should have all of this sorted out I think a lot of people feel that it's sort of okay to make a bit of a mess of your finances when you're a teenager and in your early 20s it yeah. was almost quite cool I mean yeah, to just absolutely. talk about it but at some point it's not anymore exactly. right? it's like really stressful yeah you're expected especially when you have I think for me my children yeah, you know, you're feeling like I maybe have let them down by not having this the financial security that I would have always wanted so I think uh, it's a very multifaceted and I, I find out new things about it every day and I definitely discovered a lot about how I was feeling while I was writing the book but yeah, it can be so many different things, I think. So many yeah. different sources of shame around it. And how do you think can anyone open up about that? I mean, you chose the a social channel, Instagram. I love it because that's usually the, the channel where you usually feel bad about yourself, about yeah. your self-worth. You see other people spending money. So it's quite refreshing to see 
someone opening up about, you know, I mean, their struggles, even if it's really hard yeah. and you feel you're not on your own. So was that liberating to use Instagram and how can people like start conversations elsewhere? It felt quite poetic almost to use Instagram because a lot of the kind of source of debt and overspending was trying to keep up appearances and caring too much about what other people thought what other people saw on my personal Instagram and so I think that always has felt a bit like poetic justice to me but I also think there is a, a really big community like debt-free community on Instagram there are very very good things about it and some not so great things I think there are It's similar to kind of healthy eating and dieting. You know, there are some really positive, motivating accounts. And then there are some accounts that maybe buy into the kind of self-flagellation sort of. I see quite a lot of people like, oh, I'm supposed to be on a no-spend day, but I had to go and buy a toothbrush or whatever. And I think it's that possibly is not helpful. So I try to retain a, a bit of, balance and I think you can't you can't go into any kind of journey towards being financially secure just wanting to punish yourself for what you've done wrong I think you have to accept that put it behind you and start working towards a better more secure future that's the number one goal of the account and opening up the conversation and the book as well yeah and also I mean in terms of our relationship with debt I think we may all have different relationship with debt because of the environment where we you know we, we grew up yeah. our parents our family so here we're talking about credit card debts overdraft so like short-term yeah. consumer debts usually yeah. the expensive type of debt yes did you feel bad about it like since the beginning or it's slowly like built up and, and yeah. you lost control I think it's since it was when it sort of got out of control that's and and when it became a real struggle to keep up with repayments and um you know I sort of reached the end of 0% periods and my credit rating started to fall a little bit and I think it's then that it started to be something that I didn't want to talk about I think I really feel like if you're afraid of ever having any kind of debt or credit product again then you haven't properly fixed your relationship with money I think it is part of today's society I probably would always have a car on finance for instance you know I, I would like to have a mortgage one day that's yeah. like desirable debt for me but I think like a small manageable credit card I wouldn't see a problem with it's about for me being fully in control and never having those feelings of I don't know how I'm going to pay this off that's the line for me I think yeah. and then how did you end up in this in this situation was like emotional spending overspending do you feel you were yeah. like losing it or you, it's just like build up build up and you're not really looking into it yeah I think I I mean I really think that in order to fix things you have to look at what went wrong in the first place and that's been quite a big part of my last year is looking at the decisions behind you know the situation that I found myself in last year and it, it's it's a number of different things I think I grew up between two households that had very different attitudes towards money I think that was a contributor definitely not very much education at school in the UK around personal finance 
which I think is something that really needs to change. But then I think some of it's like my natural character. I, I don't think I ever really felt like money was that important when I was growing up. So it was more a, a bit careless to begin with. And then it was definitely that emotional spending of if something has ever felt out of my control, my first instinct seems to be, what can I buy to fix this? I think that's still my number one instinct, but now I know how to <laughs> counteract it. Yeah. I think it's such a combination of those things. I think part of the part of the process for me has definitely been trawling through those and m- making sure that now I'm making conscious decisions yeah. where I do choose to spend. Did you have to learn about maybe budgeting or looking at your decisions? Did you just, when they started to open all your bank statements and look at all these uh, purchases? Yeah, so I think there's, for me, I had to do it gradually because I know that if I'm confronted with too much frightening information, I just run the other way, absolutely. (laughs) So I did it over the course of a couple of weeks. I opened everything I got to grips with all of my balances. I started building a budget spreadsheet, which I still tweak now, sort of depending on the situation, especially now because I'm I'm self-employed and I, I really didn't want that to upset the apple cart when it came to pay everything off. It was definitely, I had to do it over the course of a couple of weeks. I know that some for some people, a Band-Aid, like ripping off approach is what really works for them. For me, I had to be a bit gentler with myself. Just, I think a lot of this is about like knowing yourself and knowing your own character. I mean, I'm definitely still learning now, and will continue to probably because I don't think that this process is over when that credit card balance hits zero. I think there's way more. Um, I think it has to be a constant thing. And so how, I mean, how did you practically, I'd love to, to you know, to get a few tips from you, but maybe the first question is, did you get any help from, I mean, from your, your family, you, you mentioned it, maybe from debt charities or from banks did you talk to to your bank because i feel this should be you know a responsibility of you know the financial sector and and also yours of course but i feel here in in the uk it's so easy to get into credit card debt i see my credit card balance keep mm-hmm. on increasing but mm-hmm. my income doesn't necessarily yeah. increase so i mean where where do you find some support in this journey when i first spoke to one of my banks which was kind of the catalyst for all of this because I was into an unarranged overdraft and I had to say to them I'm not going to be able to get out of this until the end of the month this was mid-March last year and what was the interest on this do you remember oh I it was a daily charge at that point so it's kind of five pounds a day up to 80 pounds or something the woman that I spoke to was really kind and she um she said, look, we can refund any bank charges from the last year. And actually that just took me into an arranged overdraft. You know, during this conversation, I was just about holding it together. And then when I got off the phone, I just thought this, this has to be the moment where things change. And my husband had just started a new job. I was just starting a new job. So our income was increasing not by much but by enough and so I just sort of decided that was the moment and she had offered a referral to Step Change who do absolutely brilliant work if anybody really is at a point where 
they can't see a way forward, I would fully recommend them. I've heard some brilliant stories of how they've helped people. I, at that point, was really feeling like I had to do it by myself. I'm not sure if I'd make the same decision, you know, looking back. But I think at that point, I was still really angry with myself. And I wanted to, I was like, this is my mess. I want to clean it up, which is probably not the best mindset to start with. But it's changed dramatically for me over the last year but yeah so I I have been in like constant communication with my bank and my creditors since then my credit card companies agreed to freeze interest or refund interest which has really helped and I think having those conversations was something that I really couldn't bring myself to do when I felt like everything was out of control but once I had a plan I felt that I could call them up and say look, this is the situation at the moment. This is my plan to sort things out. Is there anything that you can do to help me? And actually, uh, you know, some of them were like, no, that's well, this, it, it is what it is. Because I didn't want to go down the route of kind of an official repayment plan because that really affects your credit rating. But a lot of them said, you know, this is what we can do as a goodwill gesture. I think... It's about being able to have that conversation. And I fully understand why pe- why a lot of people don't feel they can pick up the phone to their bank or go into branch. It's very, very, it can feel very, very scary. But actually, often they really do want to help you. And I think possibly what they could do better is reaching out to people in a way that's not going to frighten them more. Yeah. You know, banks could do a bit more to understand the mindset of people when they're in that situation but once if you ask for it the help is there no, that's amazing that's it's, it's good to know and once you've you've talked to all these creditors and your bank and tried to uh, like or move money to like a zero percent card what was the next step for you i think the next step for me really was looking at where my spending had been going awry and using that to build a budget. I think that's really important. I don't think that you can sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, this is how we're going to spend our money from now on. Because you have to have an idea of where things have been going wrong in order to fix them. So I downloaded Money Dashboard, which was a a recommendation from someone who followed right at the start when I just had 100 or so followers on the account and that was brilliant because it's all of your accounts in one place so if you're like me and you've been spending across several different cards several different accounts how many accounts did you have so i had two just two current accounts and then seven credit cards so a lot um (laughs) and i think you know I, i get quite a lot of people message and say i've got like three credit cards I have to be like it's okay it's oh, nothing don't worry yeah. do you still have seven today no I don't I've got rid of two so one of them was the, a next account and I've got rid of one card and the next account so yeah. slowly Stor- store card, sort of, yeah, yeah basically uh, which are they're the devil because they have the highest in- interest yeah. rates <laughs> but yeah I so I had to look and that that can be quite painful I would say to people you know if you have got someone who you trust I did it on my own but if you have got someone who you trust who you could sit down and go through that with that that might be good to have that support there and that's something that I've said in the book is that you know if you feel you can trust someone with this and you know someone who's not going to judge you then it's good to have somebody to go through this with you 
it's sometimes hard to see when it's you yourself but yeah and then look at where all the unnecessary spending is I had a an inkling of where all mine was coming from um, and it turned out that I was right but then sat down and and did a real budget based on our income based on paying off as much per month as possible without completely decimating our quality of life because I I really truly think if you're looking at two or three or four or however many years to reach net positive with your finances that you cannot maintain a really strict punitive budget for that amount of time you can't have nothing enjoyable for five years it's just not it's not worth it because apart from anything else you could finish paying off all your debt and get hit by a bus the next day and then you've wasted five years of your life so I think that was really important for me was factoring in some enjoyment as well yeah and how did you did you deal with uh, anxiety and do you deal with anxiety like during the process because I, I guess emotions are here so do you manage to strip out emotions of the out of the process I think it it really depends for me. I still get very, I still get quite emotional about money. I think most people do, you know, whether it's feeling happy when a big invoice is paid or whether it's feeling, you know, completely rubbish about the fact that you've overspent. I mean, for me, I have a diagnosed anxiety disorder um, and that was something that I chose to get help with around the same time as this happened. And I think it's worth making the point that it doesn't all start to feel wonderful the second that you start sorting things out it feels better you feel more in control it's a bit of a healing process and it 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 is painful at times and if you need to look for any external support with anxiety I would really recommend you know looking at the resources that are available to you, you know charities like mind are really brilliant and obviously if things get very bad and you start to feel trapped that's a real worrying sign and reaching out to mind or the samaritans is really important at that point but i think there are a lot of things that you can do to manage anxiety in the process yourself as well i think for me writing it down is number one so I think we're encouraged to like write down our budgets or keep a spreadsheet but not very often are you encouraged to write down how you feel alongside that and I think that if we all had a running journal of our whole life with all of our spending and everything that was going on at the same time you'd very clearly be able to see the patterns so I think for me writing about it on you know for me it's been on Instagram or through articles and then the book but just even if all you've got is like a blank piece of paper and a pen you don't have to buy any fancy stationery you definitely don't have to put it online for everyone to see um just keeping a log of how you're spending and how you're feeling I think can be really really valuable no oh, thank you so much and can I ask you where where do you stand today in terms of debt because you started with I think 27,000 yeah. pounds over credit cards on overdraft. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one year ago. 
yeah. where are you today and, and how long do you think it will, it will take you to repay this and start maybe saving or maybe you start, you've started saving already? Where we stand at the moment is we are at 19,000 on credit cards and the overdraft is gone. Well done. So it's wow. a big... It, it's a that, massive jump. It, it's a big jump and it, I mean, a lot of it's been enabled by the fact that I was able to go self-employed with the security of a book deal and also a big contract that gave me the freedom to make that leap. Um, and I have been working very hard and also dropping lucky with some of the work that I've had. Uh, what I would say is that you have to measure it against what your own capabilities and your own plan and your own earning potential is because I know that that will seem like loads to have paid off in a year to a lot of people. It also, to some people, won't seem like very much. Yeah. You know, like on Dave Ramsey's Instagram, you'll see American couples who've paid off $110,000 and dollars in six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's really important not to use anybody else's yeah. process as a yardstick for yourself. And it's a journey um, because you still have quite a lot yeah, to repay. So. Absolutely. Mm. And I think um, for me, having... I never had prioritized overdraft until these recent changes that have come in whereby the interest is going to increase massively. But I didn't realize how brilliant it was going to be to see both bank accounts in positive figures, not to constantly be in that overdraft. And I think if I'd known that, I probably would have prioritized that. <laughs> but again, like you said, it's you just a journey you're learning. You're learning. Yeah. It removes one whole factor and now I can concentrate on on what's left and I think hopefully it depends what happens but should we should be there by sort of mid to late 2021 wow. uh, so mid to late next year I would hope but you never know yeah. there can be setbacks or you know maybe I'll sell a million copies of my book yeah, I you wish. never know <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all the best no but I guess I mean the, the important thing here is to is to have a plan because without a plan you can't achieve anything so then things will never go according to plan but at least you know what's what you're oh, aiming exactly. for yeah absolutely that's the goal if it happens before brilliant if it happens after it's still definitely going to happen and I think that's what you have to remember to yourself is that if a setback happens if you you know, we're all prone to illness, redundancy. Yep. We're all very vulnerable to a change in financial circumstances. Literally every single one of us from people who are earning minimum wage to people who are earning six-figure salaries, knowing that you can overcome any financial obstacles because you have, you're armed with all of the information is a really important part of the whole process as well. That's mainly why I'm able to talk about it so freely. Yeah, yeah that's been the big change, I think. Okay, so we need uh, we all need to buy a copy of uh, Real Life Money. <laughs> oh yes, a please. million of you. <laughs> <laughs> that will help Claire. <laughs> um, now I have an, uh, a question from an auditor, actually. So someone asked me, uh, I'm working on repaying my credit card debt. I still have about 10K left to pay off. But I also want to take a holiday. I haven't been able to take some time away. So you touch base on this but any piece of advice how how should you react to this how can you you know repay debt but at the same time yeah like live your life and, and don't you know sacrifice everything and don't fear of missing out yeah 
I I think it's really important to recognize what's going what's going to be a good investment for you whether that's of your time or your money if a holiday is going to make a really big difference to your mental health or if you just feel like you need a break I think that's absolutely fine to do what I would say is that if there's any way possible budget for it save for it alongside your debt repayments even if you're taking a bit of money away but plan it and know that you can afford it is the thing that would be important for me another thing is change what your expectations of a holiday might be you know we went to Greece for a week last year in quite a nice resort which is something that we booked and definitely at least part paid for on credit cards before this happened this year we're going to Cornwall for a week but it's still going to be a really nice holiday and we'll still get to spend it together as a family so I think sometimes it's not about cutting things out but it's just about not even lowering your expectations but looking at what you can actually afford yeah So I'd say, yeah, definitely take a holiday Um, because, you know, you might be doing this for a while and you need everyone needs a break. No, thank you so much. On Vespad.com, we have secret money diaries and we ask these like short questions. So I have a few for you. Yeah. What are your top three financial goals? Uh, Number one for me is to buy a house. We have just been informed, we rent, and we've just been informed that our landlords are selling. And now we have to move our whole family out within a a couple of months. So I think having the security of owning our home, I know that it's not perfect, you know, and we'll still have a mortgage, but that's number one. Number two is to have a reasonable buffer of savings for if, things go wrong and then number three is to be net positive so not necessarily debt free net positive best uh, financial decision ever I mean definitely starting the Instagram account (laughs) and I, I also would say though that being nicer to myself that's been a really great financial decision because I haven't then kind of backslid into the emotional spending you know my tendency's been to spend when I don't feel very good or when I feel like I don't measure up So in sort of engaging in a bit more positive self-talk, I've been able to curb that quite a lot. Worst financial decision ever? I don't think it's been just one. I think definitely my problems have come from lots of small bad decisions, lots of scatter cushions that I shouldn't have bought, lots of sort of meals out that we shouldn't have had. So I think it's probably just careless spending uh, in general. What is financial independence for you? For me, it's being able to be neutral, to feel neutral about money. So not having such a huge emotional attachment to the numbers on the screen or the cash in my wallet to be able to step away from that and use it as the tool that it should be. And finally, what are the things you spend the most money on? Definitely now my children. (laughs) They're very expensive. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much. Do you have any um, last words for for, for auditors to motivate those who are, you know, on the same journey? I think I would just say it's not a race. You know, if you need a break, if you need to slow down, 
And if that's what's going to get you there in the end, then do that and just stop being ashamed because it, it's something that happens to loads and loads of people and it isn't anything to be ashamed of. It's definitely not the worst thing that you could do. Yeah. Thank you so much, Claire. Uh, it's been really, really helpful. So we'll send all the, the resources uh, that you mentioned today, but where can we find you? Where you know can we listen to <laughs> to your to your tips and encourage you in your in your journey? Yes, yeah, so you can find me mainly on Instagram. That's where I live. Uh, my frugal year. Yeah, at my frugal year, and you can also obviously pick up a copy copy of my book, which is Real Life Money: An Honest Guide to Taking Control of Your Finances. It's out now <laughs> amazing <laughs> um but also if you are at a point where you don't want to spend even on a book then definitely come to my instagram page because there's resources there that are completely free thank you so much claire we wish you all the best and we'll be following your your journey thank you it's been lovely see you soon bye, bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon. I also wanted to let you know that we are not financial advisors. So the articles, the information made available on vespot.com and in this podcast are provided just for educational purposes and do not constitute financial advice. So make sure you consult with an independent financial advisor for advice on your specific circumstances. Thank you. Thank you.